angels and ghouls, it's time to gather round us horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kitties, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the vault this week. Tonight, we're cracking open our fifth tome with Lover Come Hack to Me, an episode all about dating and eventually marrying the weird girl. I'm calling this bite of bitter bile Lover Come Hack to Me, so plump up that coffin pillow and settle back your bones. We're going to take a little ride to honeymoon hell. But before we can venture fully into that vault, let me introduce you to my co-hosts. Guys, come on. We got to talk to the man who, if you need wedding advice, he's always going to be there for you. I'm talking about Devilish Dan. How's it going, Dan? Get married on Halloween. It's a hell of a good time and people enjoy it. And it lets you be a little looser. That's my wedding advice to you. Dan, as as the longest uh, married member of the podcast, mm-hmm. what what is your biggest secret to success you would like to share with people? How do you make things oh. absolutely perfect? It helps if you find someone that's not a complete and total asshole, uh, and that you <laughs> actually and that you actually like and enjoy spending time with. Novel. Some might think that's obvious, but uh, I think a lot of people don't take that advice. So yeah. Make sure that you're going to spend a lot of time with this person. Make sure you enjoy it. I love it. I love it. Uh, make sure you support each other's like fun niche hobbies. Make mm-hmm. sure you understand you're both going to spend a lot of fucking money on geek shit. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're basically yeah. the same person, it helps a lot too. So, Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and then, of course, also joining me, like always, I have the one and only Petrified Preston. Yeah, that whole opposites attract thing, that's a bunch of shit. All right, let's just be mm-hmm. honest. Um, what's up, guys? Oh my gosh, we're talking love. We're talking lust. We're talking like money and stuff in we're this talking episode. About making tiny babies. That, little that's tiny it. babies. Yeah. This big. This big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. that, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, making babies. Yeah. It's great. Uh, Lover Come Hack to Me, Season 1, Episode 5, June 21st. So a full week since the last abomination. (laughs) June 21st of 1989. This is an episode that actually has uh, some interesting talent behind it. I feel like all of these do, but maybe after a little bit of the departure last week. Dan, I'm really excited to talk about the director on this one this week for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. But uh, before we can do that, 
let's go ahead and dive into our first segment, House of Horror. Okay, Preston, you know what we got to do. We got to talk a little bit about the comic inspiration for this episode, Lover Come Hack to Me. Wow, so we're actually going to go farther back than our previous episode, going back to May of 1953 with Haunt of Fear, volume number 19 on this. So, um, wow, you know what's interesting is I feel like I can nearly copy and paste what Dan had to say on our last episode regarding the comic to this one for me to a certain extent because, man, I felt like this thing was wordy. Now, does it feature some great artwork? Of course it does. Come on, if we've learned anything from these thus far, they all have amazing, aesthetically pleasing artwork. I mean, we're talking a creepy haunted house, a storm, right? Uh, You know, it's good things happening, but man, there's just a lot of context that it's having to provide. And, you know, it's it's there. It's certainly there. The uh, I feel like it comes across better on the episode itself, which we're obviously about to get into. But um, you know, like we always like to say, if you, if you like to follow along with us, if you if you like to get into all this stuff, just like we do, you know, I don't necessarily think you'll be upset by reading this. But it's not one that I would say rush to go visit. But it is an interesting, unique story. I'll, I'll certainly give it that. Two in a row that are extremely wordy. Um, But this one, I think, works a little better. The words aren't nearly as uh, lengthy, and it it actually moves along at a little better pace. It does more heavy lifting. Um, And I think the art and atmosphere in the art is a little better, so it offsets the giant blocks of text that are on the screen (laughs) or page or whatever. It's just the setting that I think appeals to all three of us a little bit more than the last episode or in the last issue, um, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I didn't really take away anything from this where I'm like, oh, man, that was a really fun read. But it's a good enough comic inspiration. And it totally like unlike the last one where I was like, huh, this feels like a weird one for them to adapt. I actually think this is a pretty good one for them to pick. Uh, for the first season like it just kind of makes sense why they would want to do a story like this and reading the comic inspiration I could totally see them going hey you know what we might be able to do something a little bit more interesting with this and whether or not that pays off you know we'll talk about it a little bit but yeah I, I once again I totally get why they would want to pick this one and why they decided to do it in this season one lineup. It is a little weird that they went back to back with kind of gold digger centric story. Yeah, true. Oh, and what yeah. what's interesting, I'm sorry, um, you know, and, and we're going to address this when we kind of get into our, our breakdown of the episode. Uh, but one of the big differences in the comic versus um, the episode itself is uh, the gentleman character, our, our male uh, lead Um, he's not that good of a guy in the episode and in the comic, he seems to be, you know, a a pretty decent fella. Um, so that, that was certainly one thing that was, uh, altered a bit and, uh, yeah, that just wanted to make note of that at least. Yeah. And I would say that actually makes the episode a little bit more interesting from my point of view, because you have that mixed to morality that I think just gives it a little bit more of a bite, um, you could play it either way, but I like that if you're going to have the at least presentation of this very kind of mousy character, uh, you want to have somebody with a little bit more, you know, darkness inside them, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that was a good change. 
All right. So, Dan, of course, we've got to talk about top billing. Tell us all about that creative team involved with this episode. Mm, see, I know you're ready to get to the director, but we got to talk about the writer first, like we of usually do. do. Michael McDowell has writing credits for Beetlejuice, Nightmare Before Christmas, Thinner, and Tales from the Dark Side, both the TV show and segments from the movie. So some pretty good horror uh, repertoire there. Nice. But the main person we want to talk about, real horror royalty, Mr. Tom Holland. Responsible for just a few things, especially Child's Play, Fright Night, Psycho 2, a bunch of King adaptations, Thinner, The Langoliers, etc. But yeah, boy, Tom Holland. Hunter, I know you got a ton to say about him. What do you what do you gotta what do you want? What do you want to <laughs> lay would, down there? <laughs> I wouldn't say a ton, but it really was hard for me not to put Fright Night on episode zero because that is one of my favorite horror films. Mm-hmm. I just think it all comes together. It's the definitive vampire movie, in my opinion. Not only do you have a great vampire, but you just have some really great characters and adding in one of my favorite things, which of course is the TV horror host paying tribute to some of my favorite old school horror actors. Um, uh, you know, it's just a, a wonderful script. I think it's a wonderful movie, great effects. Like it all comes together and Fright Night's one of my absolute favorites. So I actually, before doing this episode, I didn't know Tom Holland did a Tales from the Crypt episode. So this was actually like a big surprise for me. I know I've seen this episode prior, but I didn't know he did this one. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, I guess the only other thing I would add is that uh, I've seen a lot of people checking out Psycho 2 for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe Scream had a little bit of an influence on that this year. So yeah, shout out to Tom Holland getting getting his due. You love well, to see it. Yeah. One of the best sequels to a classic horror movie, if you ask me. And oh, absolutely. People have asked me on an old GGH episode, so check <laughs> that out. It uh, it lost to Exorcist three, but you know that's some tough competition. Oh man, yeah, we do love Exorcist three and that jump scare. Can we talk about the jump scare? Can we talk <laughs> about the jump scare and Exorcist three? Um, <laughs> another time, another place. But yes, if you are one of those that needs affirmation to watch Psycho two this season, definitely do it. Yep. For talking about stars, let's talk about first Miss Amanda Plummer as Peggy. She's known for one part mostly, and even to drop even further, really one quote, and that is, Eddie, you motherfuckers move, and I'm going to execute every motherfucking last one of yous. That's right. She's Honey Bunny from Pulp Fiction, also in the fun-loving criminals Scooby Snack song. Uh, You've heard that. Maybe Hunter can drop a quote or two in there if he's feeling randy about it. Uh, she was also Lydia in The Fisher King, Nettie in Needful Things, and Wireless in the Hunger Games movies for the younger kids out there. I can only refer to Amanda Plummer as Honey Bunny. I mean, that's it. Slash Yolanda. She does have a name. But yes, Honey Bunny. <laughs> True. She's cool. She's like, she's a little Fonzie. She's cool. Uh, also starring <laughs> Stephen Shellen. It's pretty much a two-hander this episode. So Stephen Shellen as Charles. He was Neil in A River Runs Through It, Tom in The Bodyguard, and he did a voice in Deus Ex Human Revolution. It's a video game. Go oh, look wow. Go look, go look at that. That's it. Two people, mostly. The the ant uh, didn't do a whole lot of notable things. 
unfortunately. And Aunt Edith, she really, she seals this episode for me. Like, she is the critical part of this episode. I'm just fucking with you guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're right. I Preston, you'll appreciate this. When I was looking at that guy, I confused my my 90s action heroes all the time. I was like, is that the fucking dude from George of the Jungle? And I was kind of disappointed oh, when he was it. He just had that face where I was like, maybe. But he's just, he's great value, Brendan Fraser. That's uh, <laughs> kind of what I landed on. Oh my God. Hell I of a head totally of hair. See that. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Get those long yeah. locks. Well, I think I told you guys this. For the if record, I'm not, I'm not talking about Brendan Fraser from George of the Jungle. I'm talking about the, uh, no, the, the villain. villain in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But for I the listeners that might be confused that I haven't seen it in a minute, he just, something about it. I don't know what it was. But yes, Going I don't for know the villain. Guy. I um I mentioned to you guys like you give this guy a Tommy gun and you know he's like you know villain number three in an early '90s action movie. I mean, perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah he, he is definitely screen fodder of just filling in the frames. Well, I have it in my notes here, but he is definitely the epitome of they knew what they were doing casting him the way he was looking because he is full on Fabio romance novel. Like, look, like you just want to throw a goose at him on a roller coaster. <laughs> that makes sense to you guys. Is it only all, I, I picked guy? it up. Okay, good. Bloody yeah, it all, was, you know. Yeah, bloody goose guy. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. This is a very quiet episode, and uh, of course, you get uh, surprise double performance. Kind of, even though she's really just playing the same character in you know oh, yeah. a different costume. Um, and then you get that other guy. Do we have any information on the uh, her father that shows up in the episode, Dan? Nothing notable, no. It looked like yeah. a lot of kind of small bit parts. Got it, got it. In the RoboCop TV series. Uh, well, like, like I said, small you, bit parts. I didn't even know <laughs> RoboCop had a TV series. What? Yes. Yeah, I had no fucking clue. I mean, it's not good. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Well... After look, I I like two and three somewhat. Hey, me too. Me too. After that first movie, I can take or leave the rest of it. It's got a pretty good arcade game though. I'll give it mm. that. Remember when RoboCop shot that dude in the dick? How can <laughs> I forget? <that> baby? <laughs> <laughs> Let's check in with our buddy the Crypt Keeper because in a weird opening sequence, he's kind of checking in with us. He's like, "Hey, you're back." You know who to come for for your deal. He's basically doing like his drug dealer pitch, which is like amusing, <laughs> but it is very low key. You know, we talked about the last one where it was like, this is real low key. And then I said, well, n next week is even more kind of like small. This is him oh, just yeah. being like, hey, you're addicted at this point. You want that sweet, sweet keeper dick. And I'm here to deliver <laughs> it to you. What's he chopping? Is that a heart or is that meat? I yeah, it looks true. like some good roast. I'm going to be honest. I kind of mm. want some. Yeah, kind of a fillet action going on there. Maybe that's his dick. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Crypt Pepsi can keeper. <laughs> but yeah, what did you guys? What did you guys think about this opening segment? Because yeah, it's well, really it's really small. Yeah, other than getting distracted by what he was chopping, it, there wasn't much to it. I think you even mentioned this in the last episode, like this has to be the most simplistic one because I mean, he's not, he ain't doing anything in this one. He's not getting up, going over to the shelf. He's not moving around. I mean, it is a pretty stationary shot for the most part. So straight to the point. I mean, it's, 
30 seconds tops. Yeah, there's like a weird jump cut. Did you guys notice this like in the opening where it Mm -hmm. like immediately snaps from one angle to the other? But like that is the most action that happens in this scene. They're saving all their budget for some of those guest stars later on and <laughs> right. subsequent seasons. Yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, just a really small little Crypt Keeper moment. It's, I guess, in the timeline of the show with this being episode five, it's it's one that I understand why it's there because he's just kind of like, hey, it's me again. Um, Maybe they're out of budget or whatever, but like, I'm fine with it. But yeah, it's just there's really nothing to remark about special about this one. Maybe they weren't comfortable getting super wacky with these yet. So they're like, I don't know what to write for this. Just be like, y'all know me. Here's another tale of twisted terror or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't iconic yet, I guess, you know. Can we get him to, Dan, you triggered something deep inside me. You you opened up with y'all know me. So, of course, you know where my brain immediately went. (laughs) Still the same orgy. (laughs) Can we get him to do Forgot About Dre? Can we get the Crypt Keeper to bust (laughs) one of those out? Maybe we can get a... Elvira as Eminem? Who could be Eminem? Oh, Sven Gulli. Sven Gulli could be Eminem. That would be perfect. Yeah. Mm. All right. Let's go ahead and dive into Television Terror, the episode itself. Knowledge. Our man Charles has just bagged himself the queen of that weird girl who used to smell her Elmer's glue at the back of the class. Of course, I'm talking about Peggy. She's that weird girl. She's a mousy and kind of homely young woman, but you know what? She's loaded. She's got so much cash. And apparently, she's just really loaded because the handsome romance novel-looking man Charles, he's tied that knot. He's made it official. We're introduced to Peggy's Aunt Edith, who lets Charles know that, hey, you know what? I don't approve of you. I know why you're here. I know you're here for that money. And he's like, look, of course I love her. I'm here for those stocks and bonds. And you know what? You keep talking shit. Don't worry about it. Your ass is hitting the road as soon as we get back from our honeymoon. (laughs) He's not about it. So recreating the opening of hit cult horror film Dolls, they're driving through a rainstorm (laughs) and a fallen tree trunk is in the middle of the road. Of course, not able to bypass that. So they go looking. They're trying to figure out some sort of way. Peggy goes looking for a flashlight, and suspiciously, she finds a handgun, and Charles is like, look, look, your aunt gave it to me. Weird, but okay. (laughs) She's cool. Yeah, I love that. Your aunt gave it to me. That's great. Yeah, right? The car keys mysteriously go missing when he gets out of the car. It's just a whole mess. What happened to the car keys? So the guys, uh, like I said, kind of inspired by dolls. That's a gag. But, you know, I just watched that. So it was on the mind. They go find uh, reprieve. They they go and hide at the nearby mansion. And of course, nobody's there. No, no, no two creepy grandparents, unfortunately, Dan. Nobody, nobody's doing the time warp or nothing in there. I know, right? It's disappointing. Uh, however, Peggy mysteriously does find a key to the front door hidden underneath that planter that she bumps into. So they go in and she goes, Charles, don't you think you should carry me over the threshold? <laughs> and he's like, sure, whatever, okay. Fuck, <laughs> so they, all right. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. So they enter that old, decrepit house, and we get a good look at that huge battle axe that's framed on the wall. All right, so we've got our setup now. A.K.A. Dan's kink. 
by the, the way. The old family portrait. A mother-in-law, a battle axe. Get it? Yeah. Yeah, right? Mother-in-law, battle axe, fun stuff. Um, Dan, you have a kink for battle axes, according to Preston. That's Is that it. right? I mean, I didn't, but now it sounds like a party, so. <laughs> Get a little bit of a Viking spirit to you. I can see it happening. I mean, you should see my beard. It's been growing out. <laughs> Can't wait to see you in a couple months, uh, a couple weeks, as it might be. <laughs> but yes, we've got our setup here. This is the tried and true. I'm marrying you for your money. It's a tale as old as history. We've seen it in numerous adaptations. It's pretty straightforward, but something that I did write down that I, you know, I do have issues with this episode but something i really like is i think this episode is chock full of actually some really solid atmosphere mm-hmm. i like how dark and grungy this house feels i think there's a lot of really interesting setup shots so we really get a good feel for the place and even though the story itself is kind of tired and maybe a little bit played out i think that tom holland out of all the things he does in this episode his biggest accomplishment is just making you feel like you're in this house with our characters and i think that's that's great yeah nothing i like more than hiding in a house during a rainstorm clue rocky horror picture show all those you know, mm. old dark th- house th- th- old dark yeah. house this is right up there with all those just kind of dark creepy victorian manor uh, houses well, it is amazing what a setting like this can do. You know, you can not not calling this an average story. We'll get to that later. But I mean, you can have kind of an average story in this setting, in this aesthetic and uh, really kind of vibe with it. Yeah, I will yeah. say, too, I don't want to shortchange Amanda Plummer. I think she's doing a really good job with what she's handed. And yeah. once you know the twist, there's some stuff you can pick up on that she's doing, like especially with you know finding the key. Like you can tell upon seeing it a second time that she totally kicking that over on purpose that 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 vase or whatever is out there yeah yeah and hiding the car keys and everything like out like that totally makes sense um and it is i don't know she is a really good cast i feel like both of our characters here are really solid casting for the characters that they're supposed to play the performances are I, I would say very good. Um, mm-hmm. I I really don't have any complaints about the way that they do these characters at all. No, I mean, one guy is very basic beefcakey kind of guy, but yeah, um, yeah, he does a good job with what he's given as well. So guess what? Mysteriously, the fireplace has recently been all set up, prepared for our two lovers. Um, so Charles, he's like, look, we got to get out of these clothes. We're soaking wet. He lights that fire, takes off those wet clothes and sits naked on the couch, but not before we get a great look at that magnificent man ass. <laughs> <laughs> gratuitous. One dude butt. That's our first dude butt. That's right. Man ass, y'all. It's it's time. So, of course, Peggy gets horny AF, but being a virgin, she refuses to embrace this magnificent man ass. Um, (laughs) See, the two have never boned at all. They haven't even seen each other naked. So, Peggy, you know, in her moment of... uh, timidity she's just like oh you don't really love me you just you're not really into me and uh (laughs) charles is like no 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 no. i'm not only here for the money i i do love you and you know what i've i've tried to give you that sweet sweet charles dick plenty of times and you just haven't wanted to do it and this is where we're introduced to kind of that motive where she's like look i've been saving myself i don't want to give this away because this is important i need it to be Perfect. 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 
<laughs> so this is the part where we just we really dive into the hornball side of the episode because they're making out. Charles is trying to get it in, and Peggy's like, "No, no, 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 stop." It's our first time, you fucking freak. I don't want to do it on the couch. And he's like, what? This is perfect. There's there's a fireplace, couch. We're, we're all great. And then she's like, no, no, no. Go find a bed. So they go upstairs. Go, go find bed. a filthy bed. Go find a yeah, filthy bed. Right. Which is dusty. I guess it's implied that Aunt Edith has been setting up this fucking sex trap because it's beautiful. She's like, oh, the bed's all made. And nobody's suspicious about this. They're just like, okay, it's fine. Just like the fireplace. There's candles. The bed's made. It's beautiful. Charles, he lights up those candles. It's a beautiful mood. It's beautiful lighting. Everything looks great. Peggy, we get to see her. She she becomes a hot broad. She really, (laughs) she does everything. She's slipping on the lingerie she's slipping on the lace gear she's doing her lips she's doing her eyes she comes out and uh like something out of princess diaries charles is like i don't i don't even know who you are anymore. i love what he sees her he's like oh, wowie, wowie. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he almost does like the wolf like <laughs> out of his head that's right yeah yeah and um we get another little line here. Unfortunately, I didn't write it down. Maybe one of you guys did. But he's like, of course, I love you, honey. And I think he says, and your bank account. And yes. Bank account. Yeah. Yes. So that's right after. So this is a big surprise. We get, uh, you know, sex scene, just a really extended sex scene. And he goes, you really are a virgin. No, oh, that was screaming. gross. Yeah. God. Yeah. And they just... They fucking lose it. They have that animalistic sex where they're just howling. They are doing some uncomfortable yelling. It's it's reaching a climax. Like this, was Dan's, this was Dan's favorite episode as a kid. Was it? Uh, uh, no. It's, uh, all right. Here, here's where my my my. Well, my, one, my, one second, one okay. second. Right, let let right. me get through this, and then we'll. Right. So <laughs> that grandfather clock, which was mysteriously still working, uh, it hits midnight. So. They cuddle, they climax, oh, or whatever the fuck they say, I'll insert it. But uh, Peggy's like, Charles, we got a little girl, and she's she's this big. And I doesn't understand how how sex and procreation work, but okay. Well, look, look, she's never had to learn. And this night, it's just as perfect as it will ever get. We've made a baby girl, and um. Yeah. So Dan, now we got to talk about it because we've just we've taken it fully into the bone zone over the last paragraph of my notes here. Mm-hmm. All right. So listen, Amanda Plummer is great. She's a highly respected actress. However, if you're going to have this salacious type of show, mm. it should probably have some sort of nudity. And I'm sure she didn't want to do it. And that's her choice, which is fine. Also, here's my hot take. There are actresses out there that can be dummied up and gla- or dummied down and glammed up and pull off both parts. I don't think she quite pulls off the <laughs> glammed up part. She's kind of a strange looking woman and I don't think it works. And I, I'm, I'm apologize to anyone that might look like her out there, but man, he's, you see beefcake dude laying on the bed and he's wowie zowie over her. And I'm just like, really? I, I mean, I guess she's she's got some nice lingerie on now, but I don't see anything that striking. But yeah. maybe that's just me. 
I will say in the episode, I think it's just, we don't know how long they've been together. Knowing Charles, it probably really wasn't that long yeah. before they did, because he's like in it for obviously ulterior motives. So he wasn't there that long before he's like, we should get married. And she's like, oh, hell yeah, because, you know, she's lonesome or whatever. But I, I can see it from the point of view of he's just so used to be her being kind of the, this homely mousy girl that it just is such a surprise and completely catches him off guard that he reacts that way but on the other hand i do kind of agree that maybe someone that's more traditionally beautiful in that sense could have been more convincing in this position but i think they very intentionally casted her because she does pull off the like you believe she's the awkward girl right yes oh my gosh i i mean i literally felt bad for her through the first, uh, you know, half, whatever, of this episode. I mean, I, she she pulled that off very sympathetically, I thought. I mean, you're exactly mm-hmm. right. So I, I think that's very fair. But no, you, I mean, great point that I agree with, ultimately, Dan, for sure. Yeah, and again, if you think Amanda Plummer is attractive, that's great. Hey, Of course. Uh, yeah, there's a lid for every pot, and hey, she might be someone's lid or pot. I'm not sure. Uh <laughs> But yeah, um, we could have cast that a little better. But again, uh, performance-wise, no complaints. Zero notes. Yeah. And I think what really ultimately sells me on her performance, where eventually I'm able to let all of it slide, is that when it really does come to the head and she does end up doing <laughs> the dirty, not the sex part, but the, the murder <laughs> part, um, she just pulls off this very crazy, maniacal look mm-hmm. that I think that maybe... Instead of, you know, if you had somebody that was maybe traditionally beautiful or whatever, I, I think that it'd be kind of hot instead of like creepy or like crazy. Does, <laughs> does that make any sense? Do you yeah. guys get what I'm saying? Yeah, you like some sex in your violence. That's sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like most people do. But the it just like when she goes nuts, when she eventually does her thing, um, she's she's scary. I think like she. Pulls oh, yeah. Off. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So later that night, Charles deep asleep. He's he's you know, he's having them come fueled dreams. He he wakes up. He wakes up to a car pulling up. And you know what? He looks outside and this trifling bitch, Peggy. <laughs> she's bringing another night. Yeah, she's bringing another man into the mansion. So naturally us as an audience we're like, "Hey, what's going on?" And Ooh, we we hell? Yeah, what is going on here? This man, his name is Alan. And you know what? He has no problem carrying her into the house. He is all about it. So Charles, he starts creeping down the stairs. And he starts to hear little things that sound remarkably similar to what uh, he heard just earlier. She's like, oh, I need everything to be perfect. And they're boning. They're making the love. And Peggy, she even pulls out her trademark line where she's like, we made a baby girl and it's this big. Uh-huh. And yeah, yeah. It, biggest turn on of all time. Um, <laughs> so when when Alan, the other man, he does fall asleep, Peggy goes off. She takes the axe and she's going off about how love needs to it never stays pure because time and all the outside elements it's going to sour it so she needs to keep it as perfect as the first time she's grabbing that axe and she wakes up alan 
And when he wakes up, she changes her mind. She's like, good, now go back to sleep. Except she yells it. So, you know, good, go back to sleep. And then brutally attacks him with an axe. We don't know if he chops or if she chops the head off, goes for body shots. However, I do love this little cut where Charles is like, what happened to the axe? And it's just like a really weird line, like, was he not watching when the, when the axe <laughs> came off the wall? Dude, you saw it. Yeah, right? Like, he was looking right at her. He was like, what happened to the axe? Um, so, Charles noted, oh, like, he's like, oh, my God, he's murdering this poor, she's murdering this poor man. I've got to go save him. You know, brothers in solidarity. He runs through, uh, he runs down to her and passes right through Peggy. And you know what? It wasn't Peggy. It was Peggy's mother because he just remembered that Peggy's mother killed her father. And guess what? It happened to be in the exact same house. And Charles, he starts losing it. He's screaming. He's "Ah!" he's losing it. And then suddenly bolts up. He was in a nightmare. He was in a nightmare the whole time. Fellas, I don't know about you guys, but this episode I'm kind of up and down on. This is a decently good twist, in my opinion. How did you guys feel about this? I didn't know what the you fuck was going on when the car first pulled up, and yeah, like, why? Why is she bringing this other dude mm-hmm. here? And then, and so th- then, once he finds out he's being cucked by a ghost, it's like, oh wow, that's that's a pretty cool twist. But yeah, um, yeah, no, it's it's weird for sure. Yeah, I will say um, in the story, um, in the comic story, that is um, to a T. I mean, this is exactly what happens. He Mm -hmm. thinks he is seeing his new wife bring this man in and they're getting down to business. And uh, yeah, I mean, he he, to the point where he literally runs at, you know, the woman goes through her. I mean, the exact same type of scenario plays out. Um, Yeah, I mean, a good a good strong twist, certainly one that I did not see coming. That's that's for sure. Do you think he had the dream because the the ghost of the father was trying to warn him of what's to come? <laughs> I almost so. the way that I took it and you guys can tell me if I'm totally off base of this. I almost read it as he actually woke up and went downstairs and like saw it. Oh. Like I didn't think it was just necessarily a vision like I think he actually went downstairs, but that's just my interpretation. There's really nothing that says that. It's just kind of how I viewed it. So you think that happens? Maybe that's why the clock started and it's an omen that every night at whatever time this plays out again, like they're haunting the house. Yeah, it's highly Mm. possible because remember the clock is at midnight when they come in through that door, at least if I'm not mistaken, I could have swore that the clock was at a time that had already passed. Cause remember they're too busy coming and fucking at midnight. <laughs> so, <laughs> you I know, also I, like, just, I also like yeah. the slight nod of the, the clock ticking is like her biological clock is starting to tick now. Oh. It's kind of, kind of a little, little deep read. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, but yeah, I think it's actually a pretty good twist because I did not figure it out before watching this episode. Um, it definitely comes to a little bit of a surprise when it all happens. And I'm like, huh, you know what? If nothing else, what a twist. What a twist. What a twist. Um, so he wakes up from the nightmare and he does find out that, you know, he was dreaming whether or not he actually was or not to be debated. He lets Peggy know, uh, all about this. And you know what? She says, 
that that did happen. She pulls out the same axe and reveals the exact same motivation her mother had, that she wants that perfect love, just like Mama used to have. So he's like, look, you're insane. I never loved you. You know I don't love you. There was a handgun in the box. We find out that um, he goes back, he reaches for the gun. She's already unloaded it. And this is where the kind of the... <laughs> this is where the the episode theming, uh, I guess, theme kind of falls apart a little bit for me because the whole thing is, if she wants the perfect love, this clearly was not it. And just compared to the relationship that Peggy's mom seems to have with Alan, um, it seemed like Alan was really in to Mama Peggy, right? Mm-hmm. And then obviously Charles not into it at all. So like, is Peggy just deluded where she's like, she's like, Oh, this is the best I'm going to get. It's fine. Or like, I, I don't believe for a second that she actually thought this was her perfect relationship match. No, and that's what I thought true. it was. That That's where I got the ticking clock from. Cause kind of maybe she has the biological clock ticking in the back of her head. So she, her goal is to just find whatever she can possibly find to get that so she can check off the box and have that little baby girl that's only this big oh god yeah that's wonderful post-coitus talk i mean that that's what you want right 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 especially if you live in florida Mm. really (laughs) children are the future we are the world (laughs) um So he's like, no, look, I was going to kill you with this handgun and and blame it on a burglar. He like lays it all out there. And she's like, no, no, no. You did fall in love with me after, you know, we went to the bone zone and you're not going to kill me. And then he's like, nah, bitch, I really am going to kill you. Like I said, she's unloaded the gun. (laughs) So he tries to shoot her. And uh, Peggy's like, oh, he can't kill me. So obviously, because he can't, he does love me. And then she immediately goes to the murder zone and slams that axe down over and over. I love that covered in blood shot. It's kind of almost like gratuitous evil dead blood. Like, yeah, it it looks Mm -hmm. great. And uh, she says, sleep tight um, and goes to bed and cleans the whole place up. And uh, before we talk about the morning, I just want to say, I think it's a pretty fun murder scene. Like it's, it's a good moment of tension. It's not one of the most effective, but I think that unlike the last episode where we talked about how it doesn't really quite come together in a satisfying way. I do think that the murder, at least here, maybe it tickles the, the primeval sense of the brain, but it does work for me. Yeah. It's that salaciousness that you're looking for that was, wasn't quite there in the sex scene, but the, the violence is uh, appropriately over the top for this one. For sure. Yeah. That blood effect was, was awesome. Yeah. I do like uh, the lighting in the house too. Uh, There's a lot of like red, red and blues going on, which, which worked a lot uh, for me. Totally based off, uh, off the story. I mean, you'll look in the final pages, red, blue, all, all over the page. That's, yeah, that's really cool that they picked yep. picked up on that. Totally. So the next morning, Aunt Edith shows up. Once again, we don't really know if she's been preparing the mansion this whole time or why she's there. But she says, oh, darling, I'm so glad you called me. And uh, Peggy comes down and she's like, hey, I can just already tell. He knocked my ass up. He did his <laughs> job. I'm I'm going to have... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have a daughter. I don't need no man. I've got everything I've ever wanted. And she's this thick. 
And uh, you know what? We do get a, a nice little tease because she's like, oh, someday my daughter's going to need a man. And Aunt Edith, you can almost hear the laugh track. Like, I want to insert one over the end. She's like, she sure will. Like, <laughs> in the freeze frame, it just, it would work. I could, I, maybe I'll do an edit for this episode. Who knows? But <laughs> the Kirby enthusiasm theme plays. Exactly. You can, you can almost hear it all come together. But yes, that is Lover Come Hack to Me. We do close with our closing Crypt Keeper. And uh, you know what? At the intro was kind of standard. At least here, we get him doing his best slash from Guns N' Roses impression. Because <laughs> I don't know where. He's either that or Charles Dickens from. <laughs> the Muppets Christmas Carol because he pulls out a top hat yeah. puts it on, and he's like hey make sure you use um, make make sure you you look at that that family tree check that background because she might cap your ass I think that's the actual quote from the episode mm-hmm. um, Direct quote. but yes <laughs> Crypt Keeper in a top hat that is my only note I, or actually correction it just says top hat question mark um, <laughs> I like the top hat because it either was supposed to fall off earlier or wasn't supposed to fall off at all. And I can't tell which it was because <laughs> he was struggling with that. It wasn't yeah. wearing it quite right. And it, yeah, I, one or the other, it was either supposed to get knocked off or stay on. And I just they, let him rock with it. Yeah. They're like, ah, eh, fuck it. This is good enough. We're running long. Let's, uh, let's, let's cut it. <laughs> yeah. Only no more men. Understand? I promise. Besides, I don't need one anymore, now that I have my little girl. But she's going to need one, someday. Of course she will, dear. Of course she will. So that brings us completely to the end of Lover Come Hack to Me. Preston, you know what time it is. It's time to pay those last respects. Tell me what you thought about that magnificent man-ass. Hey, 10 out of 10 for the man-ass. I mean, good stuff. Good stuff coming from our guy, Stephen Shellen. Um, This is an interesting one, man, because... Do I think this stands out to me in the broader in, in the broad series as a whole? I don't necessarily think so. But is it a good quality episode with certainly some redeeming things going on for it? Absolutely. Um, I would 100% recommend watching this. I mean, if not alone, just for the haunted house. I mean, we've kind of raved about that. But really, really great look there. The lighting shot really well, obviously. It featured some good performances. I feel pretty comfortable giving this a three and a half severed thumbs out of wow. five. Wow. Wow. Big, big rebound from last week. It uh, is. I, I think so. I'm, I'm kind of, kind of going back and forth on three, three and a half, but I, I'll, I'll go for the upper. I'm going to give uh, Dan final say so uh, on this one because I'm a little bit below you. I'm at 2.5 severed thumbs on this one. I think it's right in the middle of the road. Like I said, I think there's some good atmosphere and there's definitely some solid performances here. It's one that if somebody told me that this was their 
absolute favorite. I wouldn't look at you funny, but I'd go, huh, okay, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I could understand why you might really be into it. So overall, I think it's a good enough time. Like I say, I think it's a fun twist. If you included this on your episode rotation, like if you were doing a Halloween night marathon or whatever, it does have like I started off with enough of that creepy atmosphere where I'd be like, okay, you know what? I got it. Um, I do think that like last week where we said, Hey, there's some episodes that do the vanity side of things better. I do think that there's episodes and we've already covered one of them that cover the whole spiteful relationship angle a little bit more, uh, interestingly. So I, I can't give this one a top ranking, but I do think it's right in the middle for me. So 2.5. I will go now. Uh, we <laughs> didn't make note of dude, butt, but I would also like to make note and I will add it to the official count two shirtless beefcakes. Um, so if we're counting topless oh, ladies, yeah. we should probably count topless beefcakes as well. One with uh, Ty Chippendale. <laughs> it's just straight up Chippendale. Yeah. Like Winnie the Pooh. Um, as far as the rating goes, no, uh, you guys have said pretty much everything I was going to say. Uh, it, this one is definitely right down the middle. Uh, two and a half severed thumbs. All right. So a 3.5 and two 2.5s overall kind of right in the middle of the road. But we definitely recommend checking it out or hacking it out as it might be. So I do want to go ahead and thank my co-host for being here tonight. So let's play the music. And we'll go ahead and wrap up. All right. So, Dan, of course, thanks for being here tonight, my friend. Let the good folks know all about your information. And as well, make sure to let them know all about the horrors from the vault material. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me again. Uh, if anyone wants to check out the horror vault pod, uh, socials, it is that horror vault pod at Twitter, Instagram, threads, blue sky, all the good stuff, except for TikTok and or Facebook. We don't mess with those two. Uh, and if you want to send an email to us, you can do so at horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. For me personally, uh, check me out on Letterboxd at Daniel P. Sims or any of the other socials at Red Right Dan. Thanks. Preston, thanks for being here, my man. Where can the folks keep up with you? Dude, absolutely. Wouldn't miss it for the world, man. Of course, at Preston967 over on Letterboxd. Same on Twitter. You can find me as uh, Preston Green over on Facebook. And dudes, can you believe we have a season finale to cover in our next episode? And not just any season finale it stars m emmett walsh who i freaking oh. love so i'm excited to get to that one agreed good stuff preston did kind of allude to it but we do have a final episode coming up and then the week after we will be sharing our final thoughts on season one it's kind of going to be going a uh it's kind of going to be a free-flowing conversation about season one what we liked what we didn't like the big winners the big losers uh, this season was very top heavy, obviously, with three episodes coming right out the gate that were very strong and even on the same day. But we're going to dive into all that. But yes, you've got uh, one more episode after this to round out season one and then join us for our recaps. And then 
later on in the horrors from the vault lineup we will be taking kind of postseason breaks however because this season was so short we are going to be diving right into season two after that and look you and i both know season two is where a lot of stuff really starts to come together for this series can't wait to get into that um, if you want to keep up with me, the best place to do so is on Letterboxd. You can find me at Discount Vincent Price on there and on Instagram. We want to thank you again for listening to Horrors from the Vault. Make sure to check out the normal plugs with Neozaz and the Penguin FL pop punk band. Incredible group. Um, we hope that you are having a wonderful spooky season, enjoying all the festivities, and especially once October hits, really dive in. But Crypt Keeper, let's go ahead, let's play the music, let's get out of here. Ha, 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 ha,